0: Amen, amen. You ready for some preaching this morning, amen? All right, praise God. All right, let's get our Bibles, get our Bibles. Get them open to Romans chapter number four. Amen. All right now. Amen, some things, some things don't change. Come on now. All right. Well, let me, let me begin by saying how grateful I am to be here this morning. And I haven't been back in this room in many years. Wow, it looks great in here. Now, I don't know about the, the guys don't look so great, but the rest of it looks great in here. Amen? Um, uh, we, uh, we have a lot of, a lot of memories here. Um, uh, dorm life. What do you do with dorm life? Dorm life is, is crazy. And I gotta say, there's nothing better than leaving the dorms and marrying a good-looking woman. Amen. And uh, that sure does beat living in a room with a bunch of guys. My freshman year, I lived in Rice 200. Anybody live on Rice 2 here? Yeah, Rice 200, that in-room, I had seven roommates my freshman year. And yes, it was just as bad as you think it was. And then, um, then I ended up on Malone 1. Malone 1. Yeah, now Malone one was my craziest year in the dorms. Uh, one one day after uh, lunch, I went to get a nap before I went to work, and then I heard someone say, "Get out of the hall!" Someone had built a potato launcher, and shot that thing down the hall. It went through the wall into the into the bathroom there, and exploded just up against the counters. And it's just never a dull moment. Please don't do that, brother King. If they do that, it wasn't my idea. Amen. Uh, but uh, the craziest thing that ever happened to me in the dorms—I—I I, I worked in Chicago uh, that that year. I worked at Averitt Express. I don't know if anybody here works there. That was Cicero Division Nine territory. Division Nine. All right. There we go. And so um, I was on my—I was—I I parked the car. I was carpool guy. Parked the car. Walking across. The, uh, the dining hall there, and uh, a man who lived on my floor was walking down the walkway there with two guys on either side, and the two guys were just laughing hysterically. The guy in the middle wasn't laughing. He didn't have a shirt on. It was the middle of winter. There was snow on the ground. He had a jacket on, and steam was just coming up out of his... I said, what happened? The two guys with him were laughing so hard they couldn't tell me. I got onto my dorm floor, and I found out that the incident had happened on Malone 1. Well, what had happened was this young man, we'll call his name John, because that, that was his name. No, that wasn't his name. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll call him John. I don't, I don't know if anybody would know him. I don't want to embarrass the guy. But uh, he, um, uh, he, had, uh, he had gotten hold of some rubbing alcohol. Some of the guys just room put rubbing alcohol in their hand and lighting that on fire and, and waving it out. And uh, this, this young man said, I, I, can, I can do that, but in a greater fashion. So he, he takes this rubbing alcohol, and he wipes his, his whole chest and stomach down. And he says, light me on fire. Light me on fire. They, uh, they wouldn't do it. So he took the lighter and lit himself on fire. And i mean, flames and wham! And he's running around the room screaming like, a, and the guys take their, their t-shirts and start trying to towel pop him to put the fire out, right? And he, uh, he was in agony and um, he started to sweat. So he, he took his hands and he wiped the sweat off his forehead and wham! Flames jumps off his forehead so he, uh, he gets pushed to the ground, he does the stop, drop, and roll thing, and we, uh, we lovingly call this the flaming chest incident. So um, I, I'm laying in bed that night trying to fall asleep until about 2 a.m., guys are going up and down the hall, they're singing this little light of mine. A little bit later, someone comes down the hall and they say, about time someone got on fire for God around here, Amen. Yes. A little bit later, someone gets into set my soul afire. Anyway, so uh, on and on it went, but uh, we uh, never a dull moment in the dorms of Hiles Anderson College. Amen. Romans chapter four in your Bibles. Romans chapter four. Brother Wilkerson, thank you so much for the invite to come out and be a part of the, the ministry here for a day and the hospitality has just been over the top, the accommodations and uh, just all that you and your staff have done to make us feel so warm and welcome. I want to take a moment and say to those here, I I flew, I largely flew under the radar as a student here. I uh, graduated and uh, I was not part of the who's who, I was who's that. <laughs> I uh, didn't have my name much anywhere. My kids were looking through some old yearbooks and said, the only place I can find you is, uh, you know, your picture there. I wasn't, wasn't one of the popular kids per se in college, uh, but uh, here I stand today uh, to preach not because I'm anyone. In fact, God has worked to keep me humble. Uh, I was rushing to get our family dog off to uh, the uh, caretaker so we could come and uh, look. To, look to my left for just a moment. Traffic came to a stop in front of me, and I got into a car accident right before I left to come to the airport. Here, and I hit my head on the ceiling, and I now I have a carpet burn right on my forehead as God is trying to humble me. Amen. He's trying to keep me humble. No, I wasn't hurt, but uh, just a little fender bender. But uh, God has a way of keeping us humble. And uh, if you want to make it long-term in ministry, I would just say this. Remember who you are. Keep your feet on the ground. Be faithful, and, 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 just, and just stay at it. Amen. Just be consistent. Just stay at it. Hardships are going to come and go, but just stay at it. Romans 4. Look with me at verse number 16, and we're going to read down through verse 20. The Bible says, Therefore, it is of faith, that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him. Whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, uh, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Would you read verse 20 with me together? Ready, here we go. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I want to ask you a question this morning, and this question will be the title of my sermon. Here it is, Are You Staggering at God's Promises? Are you staggering at God's promises? Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would give me wisdom and strength as I preach today. And Lord, I pray each one here would be encouraged and helped. Lord, I know that the time here in college can oftentimes feel like a sprint and less like a marathon. At times it can be exhausting. And so, Lord, I pray today my sermon would come along the side of someone who's weary. And Lord, just encourage them to stay in the fight and keep going. And Lord God, that you would use the message mightily in each one's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever seen someone stagger? Now, we've all tripped while walking, and we've all fallen over in the process. And when I think of staggering, I picture two men in a boxing ring. Brother Hiles used to say, I would never, ever, ever pay to watch that violence, but if you pay to see a fight, I'll come over to your house and watch it. Amen. Uh, but uh, they're, uh, they're, uh, there, there, there—they are two guys coming into the ring to fight. They're both brimming with confidence. They come into the arena with much uh, fanfare and much applause and the lights are flashing all over the place. They're bouncing up and down. They come into the ring with their gloves in the air. Both men confident that they're going to win the fight. Uh, As their names are called, their weights announced, they uh, come to the middle of the ring. They touch gloves. They're given instructions. They Head back to their corner. They're swinging, uh, taking practice swings. Maybe a a left jab and, and and a right hook and and the uppercut. And they're awaiting the moment where they knock their opponent down on the mat, both of them are equally certain that they're going to win the fight. And then it happens, the bell rings, they come to the middle and uh, the round goes uh, uh, one round at a time, uh, a a blow to the face or maybe a jab to the rib and on and on they go, uh, taking their swings, slowly one man begins to wear down and then all of a sudden it happens. One man's guard slips down just a little low and then he gets blindsided by a left hook and then an uppercut down to the mat he goes. All of his training tells him to get back up and, and so he quickly comes to his feet the referee looks him in the eye makes sure that he's good to keep fighting and the fight continues, but all he can do is stagger forward until yet the next round when he's hit yet again and he falls to the mat where he loses. Now, while I just described a boxing match, what I have also described are many Christians in their fight to do right and stay faithful to God and for God. You see, you enter the Christian fight with all the gusto and confidence and excitement that one can have. You are ready to go to spiritual war against the devil because you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your corner and on your side. You have expectations about what it is God will use you to accomplish, and then all of a sudden it happens. You suffer a flurry of problems. Maybe the income's not there to pay your school bill. and Maybe you get a call back home that someone you love is struggling, hurting, and and, uh, not doing well. And then if that couldn't get any worse, that car that you need to get around for work, it, it begins to have trouble and you need money to put into it. One problem after the next, and the next thing you know, you've fallen on the mat and you're thinking about giving up. Thinking about walking away. Someone once told me that one out of every five. They estimate that one out of every five young people that surrender to go off to Bible college actually make it onto the campus, and that one out of four or five of those who make it onto the campus actually finish, and one out of five of those that finish make it more than a year in church ministry, and one out of five that make it a year in church ministry last five, and one out of five that last five last twenty. Why the attrition rate? Why do so many fall off? Well, because they came into the ring believing God's promises, but somewhere along the way, things didn't go as expected, and they gave up and quit. You see, you had these promises from God, and it just seemed that all of a sudden God wasn't keeping His word. You're you're down on the mat of life, Maybe you got up for a moment only to stagger yet again at the promise of God. Abraham knew what it was like to have God promise him many things. Genesis 12, God promised he and Sarah would have a baby. He was promised that he would be the father of many nations. He was promised that through him all nations of the world would be blessed. He was promised that he would receive a promised land for his descendants yet Decades passed, and it seemed that maybe God had failed to keep his, his word. But Abraham did not let the limitations placed on mankind cause him to stagger at the promise of his eternal, all-powerful God. He continued to believe God, and God came through on his promises. Hear me now. Hear me now. We need to remember that God always keeps his promises. God always keeps His promises every single time and He always will. Christian life is all about learning how to trust God when it gets tough. All about learning how to trust God through the struggles of life. As we learn to trust God more and more... We see His promises come to pass, and a beautiful cycle begins to take place. We trust God, and we're patient with God, and then we see God come through in His timing, and then our confidence grows, and yet we claim more promises, and we see more promises come to pass, and then our confidence in the Lord grows yet the more. But did you know the reverse cycle can also happen? We begin to think that God doesn't keep His promise, and we begin to doubt, and then in our doubt, we don't see God come through and that perpetuates greater doubt and then we don't see God come through because we're walking in doubt and fear and the next thing you know, we're a casualty to the cause. We're a casualty to the cause. I want us to take a look at three thoughts here today about God and His promises as we consider this question, are you staggering at God's promises? I'm going to give you an outline. If you're taking notes, let me encourage you to scribble this down. Number one, notice first, The promises of God, the promises of God. Let's talk uh, uh, briefly here about the unconditional promises of God for the Christian. You don't have to do anything to get these if you're saved. There's a set of promises that are just automatic because our God is good. How about this one? Your salvation can never be lost John 10, 28 says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. How about this unconditional promise? He will supply all your need. Uh, Philippians four nineteen, but My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Here's another one. He will provide the Holy Spirit to both comfort and convict John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come into you, but I will depart. I will send him unto you. Here's another unconditional promise. Jesus said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How about this one? With God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus beheld him and said unto them with men, this is impossible, but with God, what is it here? All things are possible. How about this great promise that he is not a respecter of persons. Peter said in Acts ten thirty four. then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. How about Romans 14, 12, one day, everyone will give an account to God so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God and this is one of my favorite promises that he is always the same Hebrews 13 8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever how about this one he will come again to receive the saints to heaven first Thessalonians 4 but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be be with the Lord. On and on and on, we can go looking at the unconditional promises of God, but then there are some conditioned promises for the Christian. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 tells us that if we'll ask seek and knock it shall be given ye shall find and it shall be opened uh, Acts 16:31 tells us that if we'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ then what thou shalt be saved how about James 1 5 that says he will give a generous portion of those that ask God for his wisdom Matthew 6 14 tells us that if we'll forgive others their trespasses that God will forgive us our trespasses how about Psalm 34 7 that promises is that if we'll delight ourself in the Lord that he will give us the desires of our heart. And Jeremiah 33, 3 says that if we'll call on to, unto God that all of our uh, prayers will be answered uh, accordingly. How about, uh, let's see here, how about uh, Romans eight twenty-eight? This says that we're to love God and answer the call for the purpose of our lives. If so, all things will will work together for good. And on and on and on, the Bible is filled with wonderful and uh, wonderful promises. Number one, we see the promises of God. Number two, notice a perspective on why we stagger. We've laid the groundwork. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the sermon here. Take your Bible over to James chapter one and verse number five. James chapter one And verse number five, we see first letter A that we are inhibited by faults. Why is it that we stagger? Why is it that over the years, there are so many casualties of those who had taken up the cause and wanted to go forth? Why is it that so many will quit uh, college and never come back? Why is it that so many who graduate college uh, 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 give up on their calling? Uh, I believe it's largely because we're inhibited by faults. Look with me at James 1 verse 5. I referenced verse 5 a moment ago, but I want verse 5 for us to set up verse number 6. It says there, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. Can you say those two words with me? Nothing wavering. Say them again, please. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Notice that right there, nothing wavering. Why is it that we ask God for wisdom? You know, we don't, I don't generally ask God for wisdom on things that are obvious to me. If you were to come to me and say, I have a runny nose, what do you think I should do? You know, I'm not gonna say, Lord, what should I tell him to do? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna say, get a tissue and blow your nose. Amen? If if I'm running low on gas, how many of you here uh, like to run your car all the way down to E before you you get gas, all right? How many of you like me and you've run out of gas before, all right? Anybody here? Okay, not a lot of you have driven long enough to do that, but how many of you done it more than once like me? (laughs) Amen? Uh, You know what? I don't need wisdom. I don't need to ask God for wisdom when I'm running low on gas. What do I do, Lord? You know what I do? I stop at a gas station and I put gas in my car. Uh, look back with me at verse number five. If any of you lack wisdom, notice there, there are plenty of times throughout the day where we lack wisdom. One of the first things I do every morning when I wake up and part of my routine, I wake up, I say, Lord, I'm going to face things today that uh, where I'm not going to know what to do. And I'm going to need your wisdom. I'm asking you right now, Lord, to give me your wisdom so I'll know how to maneuver the day, the, both the mundane things and the complicated things. Give me your wisdom to know how to help others. And we have a promise that if we'll ask, He'll give it to us. Now, look at verse 6 there. It says, nothing wavering nothing wavering. Now, so many times we waver, we stagger at the promises of God. We're up and we're down. What does it look like to waver? You're up one day and you're down the next, and then you're all in for the Lord, and then you're all out, and then you're hot, and then you're cold, and then you walk by faith, and then you turn around and you let doubt and fear uh, control your walk. And then you have a season of life where you're in your Bible and you're reading and you're praying every day and then you go a month or two or three and you don't read your Bible. You say, Pastor Lejeune, do people go months at a time in college without reading their Bible? I did. And I'm sure some of you have done it. There's probably someone in here right now, you haven't had personal devotions in a long time. You're leaning on chapel and, and church to carry you through. You're up and you're down. You're up and you're down. This is a fault of faith in God. But but how do we get there? Not only do we see inhibited by false, but notice letter B, we're incorrect in our focus. We're incorrect in our focus. Uh, Matthew 14, uh, 28 says, and Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me, Coming to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now we're all familiar with this story. As long as Peter had his eyes on the Lord, guess what he did? He walked on the water. The moment that he took his eyes off the Lord and he put his eyes on the storm, he sank, he fell. He had his focus in the wrong place, and he fell. You say, Pastor Lejeune, what words of wisdom would you give us this morning? Here is the best wisdom I know how to give you. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Men will let you down. Men will fail you. You'll fail yourself, but keep your eyes on Jesus. He'll never fail you. We stagger when we get our eyes off the Lord. We stagger when we put our eyes on other people. We stagger when we get looking at our own steps. We stagger when we look at our storms. We stagger when we worry about our problems. But when our eyes are on the Prince of Peace, boy, we can walk in marvelous ways. Let her see. we see here that we are incapacitated by fear. Matthew 13 tells us the story of the Israelites at Kadesh Barnea. And they would declare themselves to be but grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. Now understand, God had promised Israelites the strength to conquer the land and defeat these giants. But instead of seeing the God who created the giants, all they could see were the giants. And What happened here? What happened here? They were rendered useless and sent to wander in the wilderness of carnality. And die and be buried in the dirt because they allowed fear to control them. Why do we stagger? Why do we stagger? Well, we have faults in our life that are that are are keeping us from walking with God. We, We have our focus in the wrong place and on the wrong people. We walk by fear instead of faith. What do you do to overcome this? You're staggering. How do you overcome the stagger? Let me give you a, a third thought here, quickly, and as we wind things down. Number th- number three. Notice the process of growth. The process of growth. Quickly here, I'm going to give you how you grow past staggering. Letter A. Notice where we start. Where we start. Second Corinthians chapter ten verse twelve says, "For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves." among themselves are not wise. Some years ago, I attended a pastor's conference and I got to be honest with you. I, str- I struggled in the past with these conferences. I'd walk in and I'd, I would go into a shell and just want to go hide in the corner and only shake hands out of obligation and duty. I struggled with that. I, I struggled with that here in college. Often I'd sit out there and just kind of want to hide behind someone in the back there and didn't really want the the attention or the spotlight on me. I never was a bus captain, just worked as a bus worker and then moved over back when the chapel ministry was a thing and helped out there and didn't really want the spotlight. And even now when I go to conferences, I, uh, or at least of, uh, as of the recent past, would struggle. Let me tell you why. I, I sat one day at a conference and I said, why am I so uncomfortable here? I love church. I love being friendly in the lobby of the church. and I love following up on visitors. Why is it such a struggle for me? And I said, Lord, would you show that to me? And he said, because you're hyper-comparing yourself to everyone else in this room. He said, that's your problem. He said, let me just remind you something. You have your own journey with me. You don't need to worry about anybody else. It's me and you. You don't need to worry about the other people in this room. I think somebody here maybe need to hear that this morning. You're trying to keep up with someone else in the college or what your image of, of, of what a, a good, godly man or woman is, hey, lock your eyes on the Lord, and that's where we start. That's where we start. Letter B, letter B, we see how we stumble. How we stumble. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Now, back in Romans four twenty, the Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. And to that, I would say to Paul, really, Abraham staggered not? Are you sure about that, Paul? Are you really sure about that? I, I think giving your wife away twice, that might could be labeled as staggering. At the, and, and what about the whole Hagar situation? I mean, you did have a baby with Hagar, and you did take matters in your own hands. What about that, Paul? I would say Abraham uh, sure, sure appeared to have staggered in those situations. And let me tell you why what Paul wrote here is accurate. Because while Abraham fell, listen up now, Abraham picked himself up on the mat and he kept forward for the Lord and he saw that thing through to the end. My friend, I promise you that somewhere along life's path and journey, you're going to disappoint yourself. You're going to disappoint others. You're not going to quite meet the mark or the standard. You're going to fall along the way, but you're not wicked for falling. You're wicked if you don't get up and keep going forward for the Lord. A just man falleth, but he riseth up. The wicked fall into mischief. Somebody here today stumbling, you need to get up. You need to get up, you need to dust yourself off and you say, I'm going to finish what I started and I'm going to lock my eyes on the author and finisher of my faith with his nail pierced arms spread out and I'm going to run toward my master and I'm going to meet him at the finish line and I'm going to enjoy eternity in all of its glory. Letter C, we see how we stabilize. How we stabilize. Psalm 119, I love Psalm 119. Verse 10 says this, with my whole heart, notice that my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Someone once said to me cynically, they said, you you pastors, it was a a, a psychologist' grad who uh, attended my church some years ago. Uh, she Crossed her arms. She said, you pastors always give the same advice. Read your Bible and pray. Just read your Bible and pray. There's got to be more to it than that. And I smiled and looked at her and I said, there really isn't much more to it than that. I said, let me tell you the problem with those who don't find reading their Bible and pray to work. They're not doing it with their whole heart. Their whole heart. Do you believe that this word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that it pierces asunder? The dividing of the soul and spirit. Do you believe that this morning? This word right here has the answer. It isn't whether it works, it's whether or not we work it. We've got to put the word of God into action. God's word is the answer. You fall in love with this book, you read it, you study it, and you put its principles into practice. It will put you back on track. Letter D, lastly, notice why we safeguard. Psalm 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth to it and is safe. We safeguard our hearts by insulating ourselves with all things pertaining to God and His holy word. When we do, we become even more familiar with and comforted by God and His great loving care for us. All right, in the last minute or so here this morning, I want to give you a test. We're at college, are we not? I'm going to give you a test. This is a test I want you to take in your own heart and mind, all right? Are you staggering at the promises of God? I'm going to help you answer that question for you individually this morning. God's Word promises to give you strength. Here's your first question answered in your own heart. Do you read it? Do you actually read it? Because if you're not daily reading God's Word, then you're not relying on the Lord's Word to give you strength. You're relying on your own self to give you strength. You're staggering at the promises of God. Prayer promises to move the heart of God. Do you pray? I mean, when was the last time you found a quiet place, got down on your knees and talked to the Lord? Don't tell me you believe in prayer if you don't do it you are staggering at the promises of God. Here's a tough one for college kids. When you give a tithe of your income, God promises to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so great you won't be able to receive it. Are you tithing on what you make? See, if we don't trust God with our money, we don't trust God. God promises to direct your path if you acknowledge Him in all your ways. Are you turning over your itinerary to God or asking God to give you your itinerary day? and I could go on and on and on. When we we refuse to keep our end of of the condition essence, we're saying to God, I don't believe you, I don't need your promises, or I don't believe you'll keep them. I just want to ask this question, are you staggering at the promises of God? If so, it's time to get yourself up off the mat and it's time to claim God's promises and live by His Word. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this